0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano,
1: Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, the world's top fitness, health, and entertainment podcast, we answer a lot of fitness and health questions that are asked by viewers and listeners just like you. But the, for the first 43 minutes, we do an introductory portion. This is where we talk about current events. We talk about studies. We tell stories. We have a lot of fun. If you want to be entertained as well as informed, listen to the whole episode. If you just want the fitness stuff, fast forward 43 minutes. So let me give you a breakdown of the whole episode. We open up by talking about our newest uh, sponsor, Dr. Squatch. They make soap and products that make you smell like a champion. No joke. Uh, Check this out. If you want to get the Mind Pump discount on all of the products, here's what you do. Go to DrSquatch.com, that's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H.com forward slash Mind Pump. You'll get 20% off all of their products with the code Mind Pump. Then we talked about childbirth and the fear surrounding childbirth. My wife is in her third trimester, so we had a good conversation there. Then we talked about The Blast in Beirut. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy explosion it was over there. Just fireworks. Uh, then we talked about uh, Adam's son uh, meeting horses for the first time. He's a cute little kid. It was a lot of fun. It's come full circle, hasn't it? We talked about how Disney stock is going up, even though it shouldn't. Doesn't make any sense, and how they're releasing Mulan on Disney Plus. That's exciting. Yeah. Then we talked about Arizona gyms being able to reopen soon. Awesome. I'm proud of you, Arizona. Very good. Uh, I talked about an article on the path to millionaire and the fastest path to becoming a millionaire. Um, And then we talked about uh, parenting. We had a good conversation about parenting there. Then we got into the questions. First question, this person's neck hurts every time they do curls. They'd like a substitute. So we talked about how to avoid neck pain while doing certain exercises. Also in that question, I talked about natural supplements that can help with inflammation and reduce pain through the natural process of uh, inflammation regulation. One such product is made by a company called Organifi. It's called Move. It's very effective. Now, it doesn't block inflammation like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. It helps your body have good healthy levels of inflammation because you need inflammation. Inflammation signals your body to repair and build, build muscle, for example. Uh, But if you have too much, sometimes you can get a lot of pain. So the supplement move helps regulate that. If you'd like to check out that product or other Organifi products, use our discount code. Go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump and get 20% off. The next question, this person is uh, 50 years old, been lifting weights for 25 years and has been training the same essentially for that whole time. Mm. Needs wants to know if they should reduce their volume or increase their volume or what they should do to train differently now that they're over fifty. The next question: Shake it up! This person wants to know if we had to eliminate the big three exercises—that's the bench press, the squat, and the deadlift. What would we replace them with? And the final question: This person wants to know what resources uh, and books and things that we've studied that had a huge impact on our current programs. Also, this month, all month long, MAPS performance is 50% off. This is a phenomenal program for muscle building, metabolism boosting, fat burning, but it's also really, really fun. It is not uh, a traditional workout, so you're going to be doing non-traditional exercises. You also have an explosive phase at the end of the program where you actually work on your power output. If you've never done explosive training, you'll love this. It's a great way to get the muscles to really respond, but also add more speed to your lifts. And a lot of people, when they do explosive training, they come back to their squats, their deadlifts, and their presses, and they find that they've increased their lifts by 10 or 15% oftentimes just from being more explosive. Here's how you get 50% off MAPS performance just go to the site mapsgreen.com. That's M A P S G R E E N.com and use the code GREEN50. That's G R E E N 50. No space for the discount.
2: I'm so pumped to introduce uh, this new partner. This has been over a year. uh, We had been working on on getting this company, and uh, I can't remember when I first fell uh, into or fell came across one of their commercials, and I just I died laughing. I I love the brand. We reached out, started talking to the owners. Love the owners. And they had just, at that time, they were just starting up really. They hadn't done any real advertising. Uh, We will officially be the first, and we're the only, as of right now, podcast that is partnered with this company. And uh, I've been loving their product for a long time, love the company. It's Dr. Squatch, which is a soap shampoo business. Uh, Yeah all organic all natural ingredients that are in it smells amazing yeah. and they're fucking hilarious and so aligned partnership wise chances
3: are you've seen their commercial it's hilarious uh it, it, i've seen it on youtube multiple times uh but yeah i got to use their their soaps and it's great man they have all these different uh types of scents like one of them had actually like a coffee oh that's my favorite yeah that was my favorite too that yeah. and then the the nautical one but yeah it, it it doesn't leave that like filmy kind of feeling afterwards too, which is like oh I'm on the basil
2: peppermint dude. Yeah, I right. like I like peppermint type smell on my, on my soap. It just it's amazing. So
1: it got me some action. <laughs> okay. um, I mean straight so, up. Yeah, which no, is it's, it's straight a up done deal. I, now. I, yeah. I got it. I put it in the shower because it smells really good. Right, it's mm. it's natural smell, so it's not like fake. And uh, I had it in the shower, and you know, washed myself, come out, and Jessica's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you smell amazing. And I'm like, Eh-eh. You know hey, what's funny?
2: Here who, we go. You know who markets that way is that Smelly. the brand acts, and I think that stuff smells like dog shit. Yeah, it's Way
1: too like much
3: perfume oh, stuff well, they put in there. it smells
2: like full-on I chemical. feel like they should name yeah. their scents like douchebag. Like, can you <laughs> smell it? You're like- Way to way to insult like half the audience. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's like it's like That's you're wearing. I to axe. Get them to switch, and, acts, them to yeah. switch over. <laughs> it's like right you're on. wearing
1: an Ed Hardy shirt. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh God, it's yeah. the
2: same thing. right? You're gonna double down on
1: him, huh? Oh, just yeah, yeah. keep on like going. A, like yeah. a V-neck Ed Hardy. You know, oh, yeah. walk yeah. by. Oh, it's oh like God, the, your
3: tap out <laughs> shorts. Yeah, yeah. You know, vodka, like, oh, Red man. Bull. You know what I mean? Those people were just late to the party.
2: There was a time that was cool. That was you. That's why. I had the full. I told you we you had, had this, the puka yeah, shells, yeah, yeah. the V neck, yeah. Ed Hardy, axe, yeah, the body backward, spray, backward no. Visor I, I, with I the never had hair. Axe. I had puka shells when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> oh,
1: yes,
3: <laughs> and no.
2: I had Ed Hardy before it was ever in TJ Maxx. So hey, yeah, I got was, a question for yeah. you. What's up? I got a question. What's up?
1: You have to be honest. Though. Did uh, you ever wear the? Did you ever wear them around your your, your no, ankle? No,
2: I never did the anklets, dude. I just never. did You didn't do any of the any of the things around your ankle. No, no, no. I missed that part of the phase. Yeah,
3: yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I just.
1: Picture of, you know what I mean? In the club,
2: yeah. And he just stop. back, like, stop it. You know what I mean? Bro, with you,
1: sunglasses on, like, man, it's already dark. What you are you know not allowed <laughs> to even have this conversation. Say <laughs> You are not allowed to be in
2: this conversation. So, no, absolutely not.
1: I'm so allowed. Oh, no, man. you are not. Because I mean, oh. I'm so far on the other end, it's <laughs> yeah. easy for me to see. You know <laughs> <Yeah. what
2: laughs> oh, saying? totally. You know what I'm saying? You had no style for uh, bitching uh, in the ass. Huh? Get out of here with that, you wouldn't no style for bitching.
1: Hey, I, I have, I have, I have,
3: I had some douchey looks. Did you? If I think back, I mean.
1: Did you guys ever there, watch there, The one was
3: like, okay, I had my hat where I would put it up, and then I would hairspray my bangs to go like up
2: into my hat. Dude. But I, I feel like it—that it, it, was the style. It's only yeah, right. It's only douchey when it falls out of favor like for a year or two, and someone still is doing it, or just gets uh, on board. That's yeah. a, it was douchey
1: then. So nah, here, look, you guys are your kids. Stop at Jinko really, yeah. Jeans. Hey, those <laughs> were a hey, douchey. You're right. So <laughs> uh, you guys are watch Enter the Dragon with with uh, Bruce Lee. Yeah. When he's on the boat in Hong Kong and he's he's got with the fighters. Are coming in, and one of the fighters like, "What's?" He's like, "What style do you know?" And Bruce Lee, and he's like throwing punches in the air or whatever. And Bruce Lee's like, "I, uh, I have, I do the style without, you know, the fighting style without fighting or whatever. My style is the style without style." So saying, it's like Bruce Lee's <laughs> kung fu. Okay, you know what I'm
2: saying? Yeah, that's great analogy for <laughs> good style. stuff. Hey, yeah, um, right over.
1: Hey, I've been learning a lot about some interesting stuff about learning uh, about childbirth. Yeah, I know. Good, good uh, segue. Yeah. <laughs> Let's think about babies coming out. Interesting yeah. thing happened. Well, you know, okay. So obviously Jessica's uh, third trimester. We're gonna be having a baby soon, and um, th- there was a documentary we watched a long time ago. It was baby, very transformative. The,
2: the baby one or the yeah, the
1: business of being born. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, so along, this is for people who who didn't listen to this episode a long time ago. We did, you know, we would talk about these topics, and I talked about how childbirth was so dangerous, and women would used to die all the time. And thank God for western medicine cuz it, it it's no longer a major, you know, death risk or whatever. You got checked. I did by a midwife. Yeah. I had a mid, so midwives are the uh, the legit experts on natural childbirth, more so than even um, doctors. Doctors are experts at what they do. Midwives are experts just at childbirth and natural. One of the childbirth. best
2: investments that we've made in Max in my opinion. Yes. I mean, they're having ju- that having them as a support.
1: Oh, incredible, right? So, um, so a midwife contact me, it means like you're totally wrong. It's a very natural process. The way we treat it is totally wrong. And, you know, I try to be open-minded. I'm like, well, I admit this is not an area of expertise. And so I did some study, watched that documentary. And, you know, the way we treat childbirth uh, is like we the way we treat a lot of things in Western Business. medicine. Yeah, Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a medical emergency. It's medical emergency. Right. Yeah. And so w- here's something that's very interesting about this. So the muscles around the cervix, or the, the muscles that that control the opening and closing of the cervix are a sphincter muscle. So sphincter muscles are circular muscles that when you tighten they shrink and tighten up like your butthole as sphincters say exactly and uh and and open up when they're relaxed okay and so here's a big problem now uh since none of us uh have ever had a baby or never will have a baby i know it's 2020 but still not gonna happen let's (laughs) say uh we're still in reality you're trying to poop okay you're trying to go poop and you're but you're terrified anxious and scared is, are you gonna be able to have any poop come out yeah <laughs> you're not right because everything's uh, is tightened up mm. those muscles automatically tighten up when you're scared or anxious or fearful that's what they do it's hard to relax sphincter well, muscles the- so when women go into childbirth with all this fear and and, and the way we treat it is like oh it's murder. you watch movies oh my god my wife's you know gonna have a baby and everybody's so scared it it reduces the, the 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 percentage of women that can have natural childbirth because
2: those muscles want mm-hmm. to stay tight. What do you think too about the mm-hmm. theory of like you know we don't we don't uh, train the pelvic floor muscles as much as what we used to? I mean, think about back in the days when you be in a squatted position and probably gathering things and working those muscles and being connected yes. to that and the importance of that, and then also the drugs that you use to numb all that. To me, I think that's a part of the reason why everything becomes a medical emergency with child with childbirthing is that. You go in it. You're you're to your point, and that's the first phase. Is like you're you're freaked out, you're, you're scared, tense, they're you're constantly tight. checking. Oh, three right.
1: centimeters. Oh, you're not moving fast right. enough. Oh,
2: let's give you the epidural. Let's give you so oh, pitocin. Pitocin first, first mm-hmm. yeah. Then the epidural, right? And then you get that, and then it numbs you from like the waist down. And we know like. You know when you're trying to activate or work any muscle on the body, how important it is to be able to feel it and be connected be, to it. Yeah, and so you're asking a woman to be numb in that area and to to try and help push it through, yeah, but it not works. be able to feel it. Which and then you're already somebody who doesn't train pelvic floor muscles and doesn't have a good connection there as it is. I just well, think it.
1: Well, C-section rates now are through the roof, and there's this theory. Uh, midwives talk about it all the time, uh, all the time. I should say. Where it's this cascading—I uh, can't remember the term they use—but essentially, you're doing medical interventions that then lead to more medical interventions. So, mm-hmm. so like phase one, you go into the hospital, you're freaking out. They're constantly checking your cervix. Oh, you're not moving fast enough, and so now you're you're kind of scared. You feel like oh, I'm not. What's going on? I'm not moving fast. It's not happening quick enough. I'm already in a hospital, which is like an emergency <laughs> place. So then, in order to progress your the process, because they say it's not happening fast enough, mm-hmm. and we all know, you know. Part of the reasons I think why they say that is they got to get you out. They need the bed. Uh, Um. They they need the bed. But anyway, so they say you're not moving fast enough, give you Pitocin. Pitocin makes the contractions unbearable, Mm -hmm. very powerful, Mm -hmm. unbearable. So now you've got that. Now your pain goes through the roof, which leads to epidural. With an epidural, you can't often. You can't stand. You can't squat. You can't move. You yeah. don't, you're disconnected. You lay wh- down, which then leads to you can't get the baby out, and that leads to then we got to cut the baby out with a with a C section. Right. So they they call it this. I can't remember the term they use, but it's like it's like one step after another leads to this big intervention, which is surgery. Oh yeah, that's
3: why it's it's really helpful to have an advocate, you know, on your side, and so like. Uh, much like the the midwife, we had a doula basically with uh, a set of of sort of things that we were trying to make sure that we, uh, you know, were able to kind of assess things slowly and have like different positions that we could try and because they don't even want to like. Uh, because it's such a machine, like the way that they go through these procedures and they try to get you to uh, have, uh, you know, get to the point of it all without any discomfort. Like Mm. they're trying to solve like a discomfort. Uh, And and so anytime there's any kind of noise or anything, there's, there's always this, this, this rush to get the, you know, the pain solved. Well,
2: Well, and imagine too, as a, as a woman and you have a doctor who's telling you, let's do this or let's do that, or we should do this. And you're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, of course you're vulnerable. You're in pain. This is the first time maybe you've done this. You're freaking out like it's well, well we know real easy to listen to a doctor telling you like hey let's do yeah. this next and i remember our doula was like no like get if that was the, the biggest thing that i got from it was the support like that because mm-hmm. i would never win in the in the heat of the moment when that was happening if it was the doctor saying this way and i even if i hey, we want to go natural hun we want to go doesn't matter at that point if he's saying oh let's go this route and I, I'm all, I'm He's right the away. Yeah, yeah, I'm right away vetoed in that situation. But with the support of the doula, she would look back at her and be like, "You're okay. You're doing great yeah. right mm-hmm. now. You're Just fine." Just so need the
3: baby to rotate yes. and certain things yeah. to happen. You know, like, it's, yeah, it's it, it, it's totally like an emergency situation, high stress, and so like to have uh, somebody there to kind of be your advocate. So I'd totally yeah, and I do want to
1: say this. Uh, you know, I'll be obviously uh, as an observer, it's easy for me to say certain things. I've never experienced uh, childbirth. I have tremendous respect. Uh, for the whole process, um, I've, I've witnessed you know both of my kids being born. Obviously, I have another one uh, coming along the way. But I, here's something that I've also understood uh, just through fitness and, and through you know understanding the human body through health is that there, you have pain and discomfort, and then there's a second part of it, which is the perception of them. And I, for example, if you're if something hurts but you know it's not damaging or dangerous, you tend to perceive it differently. Then if something hurts and you know it's this is natural it's supposed to happen. For example, when you're working out, the kind of pain that you feel when you're working out, you learn to perceive it differently. You still feel it. Workouts still hurt for me like they did when I first worked out. Right. But I don't they're not unbearable like they might have been the first time because I know I'm I'm familiar I understand it. This is normal soreness. Is How many times have you had a client get sore? They've never felt sore before, and they freak
2: out. Or even in the middle of the yeah. workout, the first time they feel it burning.
1: That's right. You know, what yeah, I'm saying right. if
2: you've never worked out before and that burning, says, "Oh, it's burning!" I'm stopped. That's right. Which, yeah.
1: <sighs> that's right. And historically, you know that the way that was happened is that when she went into birth, you had these these elderly these elder women that were uh, experienced and wise, and they would take the woman away. They'd go in a tent or whatever, uh, and and they'd be very peaceful, very calm. And it would it would it would change the perception of kind of what's going on, and I feel like that plays such a, a huge role. Now that I've done uh, much more research, again, uh, again, I'm far from an expert. So if I'm annoying people right now, that's you know whatever, totally fine. I'm, I'm a trainer, but just from my perspective, I think it's all very very interesting. Yeah. Hey, yeah. did you
2: guys see the uh, Beirut or Le- Le- Lebanon? Oh, the- dude. oh the huge explosion that was what a massive the explosion. hell was that
1: that is insane Now, I've, I, did you see the before and after yeah and it, it left a crater now has right. anyone
2: done like i have i didn't dive deep into it because uh, i didn't have the time yesterday but what was it i heard rumors fireworks then i heard chemicals yeah, and that I was, was the first thing that came out that it was like
3: a
1: firework uh yeah, they know warehouse fireworks. or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, right so the the, <laughs> the official story is that there were stored uh, chemicals or you know fireworks mm-hmm. and uh, that's what went up in flames and then it it blew up people some people are saying the color of the smoke and the and the mushroom cloud, because it was a massive yeah. explosion. I mean, it it affected you know miles. Uh, that's yeah. how big it was. It looked like a mini nuke yeah. when it went off. It was
3: on fire, and so that that's why there's a lot of people actually filming from different angles, and then all of a sudden, you get this just explosion that just, it throws you back even watching it on video. Yes.
1: Now, down, here's some other uh, theories that are coming out. They're Hezbollah, which is the... Uh, the terrorist uh, organization, um, uh, f- often funded by the the government of Iran, basically they say owns that port. Okay, mm. that they 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 own that port, and that that was a place that Hezbollah was storing. Uh, certain types of missile and rocket fuels, and when those burn, they turn white. That's why the smoke they're saying was white, and why it was such a huh. massive explosion. Hmm. And now there's a big uh, cover-up uh, that's going on. Other people say that uh, that maybe it was Israel that saw what what was happening there and attacked this port. Which I hope that's not true because a lot of innocent people right. died. But those are the, the those are not the official you know, story of what's.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how we're going to find out like what happened or if they're going to release that or it's just going to be like one of those things in the news
2: cycle that just kind of goes away. What's the death count at? Do you guys know how many people are? I think it's
1: up to, I I know last time I checked, I think it was close to a hundred. I know it was like 70 something and then. Probably a lot
2: more injured, right? I imagine because that was, it it definitely.
1: There was one video where someone was driving on a bridge and and then there's the, the, there's like a bunch of like the water separates the bridge from the area where the fire was. And it's far. It's like if you're Oh, I thought that was a boat video. That's what I thought. No, was. someone was in a car, they were driving and they were filming it from their car. And I mean it's it's far away. You you would think you're totally safe yeah. for the distance. Then the explosion goes off and the shock waves it knocked the car on its side all the airbags went out the rear it's view like mirror blew 20 off.
3: seconds then all of a sudden boom then the shockwave hits and it just shakes everything So up.
2: 135 dead count or death count and then 5000 were wounded
1: Yeah they said they're blaming wow. it on a 2700 ton ammonium nitrate stash is what uh, what is, is that? What the official
2: What is that for?
1: Uh I th- not it th- was that fertilizer and
0: explosives
1: and explosives. Mm. Yeah. So, oh wow. I don't know. That's crazy though. I mean, the before and after picture is just. Yeah. It's just. Imagine being there, surviving. You would think that. What would you think? There's we're at war. Yeah. Yeah. You would have thought a bomb hit. So, yeah. yeah Somebody just like. dropped
3: a bomb on it. It. It was crazy. It was uh, just like a, a huge explosion.
1: Oh, it's an, It's insane, and, and when you can see the the shock wave moving out for miles. And you know, taking things out and I mean it's just uh scary, very, very mm-hmm. scary, so you know I hope the people out there are the best. I hope that people are doing okay out there. so anyway, we'll see what happens. hey uh, I wanted to ask you, Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw you post a video of your of it looks like you took your son to to see some horses and
2: oh yeah, yeah, no he uh I took him over to see my dad. My dad has a, a ranch and they have uh, they breed horses. And so that was the first time that he had actually uh, seen it. Did you guys sound? My sound went a little that weird was right there. Ju- that was Justin. Oh, it was Justin that Sorry. went so weird like that. No, it's okay. Uh, you know, we took him. We took him over to my dad's um, ranch, and they they breed and sell horses over there. And so that was the first time that he's seen a horse, right? So it's in person, right? Obviously, books and stuff. And I've been waiting to see how he would be around like farm animals, and if he's because he's just now really. In the last, like, two months or so, I think, really becoming aware of everything and, like, pointing and looking at things. So it was cool to see his reaction. So that sent us on this, like, oh, you know, he's almost ready to go take him to, like, a zoo or do something. You know what I found in Sonoma, you guys? What? Mm. This is so badass. And it's it's glamping, right? So you can go... (laughs) You can go stay you and Courtney. This is in Sonoma, right? I, yeah. I didn't even think that we had something like this.
1: Oh, is this the Africa like the big uh,
2: safari? Safari. Yeah. I heard
3: and about you, and this. Courtney
1: stayed there. Yeah,
3: she
2: did.
1: Yeah, is so, it good? Did she like it?
3: Loved it. Yeah. Okay. She's trying to get me and the kids to go up and and, and check it out.
2: So I want to take Max. We want to wait until he can kind of where he should be walking any day now. Like I want to take him when he's walking at least. I think it's like five hundred a night, and you stay in these bungalows in like this little mini safari. Yeah, And then you get up and get to drive. You just got like giraffes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah, it's like a zoo that's like on this property. Is it open right now? Uh, I believe so. No way. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's open. Oh, I'm going to go It was then. one
3: of those, we were actually worried, because um, remember when they had all those fires up in Sonoma? Like, I guess uh, it it made its way through and didn't affect that particular uh, winery. I didn't even know we had something like that over here. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, thought that was so random. I heard,
1: I heard about it like once or twice, and then I forgot. Yeah, all about it really and I, yeah and i was like oh we gotta go and I yeah all about katrina
2: it. found it out. i mean that what sparked it was the horse right us being with the with them and seeing the way wow look
1: grew. at the bungler so doug just pulled it up yeah right safari
2: now. west this is it
1: yeah. wow that's legit well,
3: so another thing to- you don't need to get a bunch of ma- malaria sh- drugs yeah. and shots <laughs> yeah exactly uh another thing to, to consider out of like um so there's other ways to glamp and so this is I've been trying to get the kids to actually camp with me, you know, and like go like camping and like rough it a bit. And like Courtney's not interested at all in that. So uh, I, uh, she's pulling me into some, I guess there's a way that you can uh, basically rent out a trailer that they drop off at one of those campsites at, at, ahead of time. So you have it all set up and all that stuff. And then like, it's a whole community of these like uh, trailers. Yeah. And and so again, it has like pool there and it's like- the So whole, I've seen
2: those. Those are like the Airstreams. Yeah. Wait a minute. So I know
3: somebody who just did that. You just drive up and it's there. He just, it's already there for you, and then they take it away when you leave. It's just like I'm like I'm lazy. So I, I, I haven't seen that.
2: that. I've seen the ones that are like they're actually they they're like RV parks that mm-hmm. are like really yeah. nice, a pool, amenities, fire pits, everything like that. Like really nice camping grounds, and, and then it's all those airstreams that have been kind of gutted and then customized to look like a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you get it's this,
3: like that. They're just like putting the, they're rolling trailers in <laughs> at, at a similar park just like that. Oh, oh wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's for you.
1: A hundred percent. What I would do. Yeah. hundred yeah. yeah.
3: percent. I'm like all. Trying to, you know, be out there and uh, uh pitch my own tent and do all that kind of stuff and, and teach them things about roughing it,
2: but it's like she's uh, anyway, I also do that on my own. I my guess. my sister and and Tom they just bought uh those ATXs, which are like the 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 little like uh off road ATVs, but yeah, those are awesome, bro. you know, they sell them at uh, do you know how much those are?
1: Aren't they like 12 grand?
2: 26,000. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a straight car. Pay. Are those it is a car? Are pay. they legal on the road? No. Okay. So I was actually talking to my sister this morning about this. So you can drive things like that, including like my my ATV. You can up to two miles is the law. So for two miles, and the reason like why that two
1: it, miles on the road, yeah. How but, do they
2: know? Well, it's because well, it's because it's an off road vehicle. You can't drive it on the road. You can't. Mm. You could. will never see that driving downtown or some mm. shit like that. But the the theory or the idea is this: is that you know trails aren't always. Link, you got to sometimes cross over a freeway or do something, so they oh. allow they allow that, right? So, so, so gonna,
3: when a tractor comes on the, yeah,
2: exactly. You're allowed two miles. You're allowed two miles with these off road vehicles to be on public roads. Dude, so you basically, still have you know, yours, don't you? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it's kind of. And I forgot about that. I too, yeah. it's Where'd you coming, put it? It's coming up there, dude. I'm gonna. I'm getting. I'm the chain on. I told you that I broke the chain riding it not that long ago when I got mm-hmm. it all fixed, or Katrina got it all fixed for my birthday last year. And uh, I snapped the chain, and then oh, I was like, oh, shit, of course. I just got this running, and then the chain snapped. So then it's sitting over in my brother-in-law's uh, barn and covered up, and we just fired up every month just to make sure that you know the battery doesn't die. But now that my sister has that, and we found out that the Truckee house is like the, fr- the head of all the main trails mm-hmm. of like Nevada and uh, that whole area. And Tom is like hardcore like mapping everything out and find all these rural areas we can go. So Dude, that's fun. They can drive from their house to our house oh, without now. ever hitting a from road. From Reno?
1: Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so I'm excited. Hey, hey did you guys hear about uh, Disney's uh, release that they're going to be doing? No. Okay, so- the, two, Mul- the Milan thing? Yeah, so two things. Okay. Number one, this is how- uh, I swear the stock market makes zero sense. Hmm. It does not make any sense right now. Disney comes out with earnings and they tanked. Yeah. But because they tanked less than what they less produced. than what people thought, <laughs> the stock went up. You know, like eleven <laughs> percent. What a weird time!
3: You know what I mean? like, oh, that wasn't so bad. More yeah. money. You guys sucked, but yeah. not as bad as we thought. We right? Sucked that hard.
1: But anyway, so Disney's. Uh, so a lot of people are anticipating this this uh, this adaptation of Mulan, right? Like they did Beauty and the Beast. They yeah. did. I don't remember which well, other they one. May they did.
3: Hurt, like all oh, like this warrior. Like I saw some of the yeah. trailer for it and it looked interesting. Looks really good. Yeah, actually, it looks good.
1: Mulan's one of my favorite uh, Disney cartoons. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So a lot of people waiting for it. A lot of parents are waiting for it. It was supposed to be released in, in, in March, I believe, but they didn't because of obviously everything that's going on. So they're going to release it on Disney Plus. So this oh. is a an actual motion picture Just Disney
3: skipping all the theaters.
1: All of them yeah. released on Disney Plus 28 uh, excuse me $29. You have to pay to Don't you
2: see it. this is what's happening? I mean, yeah. you, know, you kind of have to do that. I mean, right? to me this is like I, are are movie theaters going to be a thing of the past after COVID? Are we are the, I think that all these streaming companies, all these mo- production companies have got to figure something out, right? And their yeah. the only choice is to go straight to streaming like we're seeing right now. You're seeing that too. You brought it up about Prime. There's stuff that that is in that would be in theater that you can now buy on there for a premium rate. Well, once they
3: have g- to be going like completely out of business. I mean, it's been so long now with zero revenue. Like, there's no way. Like, how how are they keeping the lights on when they come back?
1: Well, and it's also like once people get a. Ta- this is the same thing I feel about education. Once people get a taste yeah. of watching these releases at home, and you know, even though it's going to be thirty <laughs> bucks essentially, I'm still saving a ton of money. I got you know two kids. Me, Jessica, plus you buy whatever. you know. I'm, it's like 70, 80 bucks when mm-hmm. we go to the movies. I'm still saving money. I'm in the comfort of my own home. I could buy whatever snacks See, I make my own popcorn. This is why we need automated
3: cars, because then we could turn our garages into theaters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like what you're thinking. That, yeah. That's what yeah. I want to Mine's do. Mine's
1: a gym. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> gym slash theater. Yeah. But I mean, once people get a taste of this stuff, I think that's why homeschooling is exploding. People are getting a taste of it and saying, "Hey, look, it's not super bad." I think I'm going to go in this direction. Well, it sucks because I wanted to see
2: Maverick in the theater. You know, the the new uh, Top Gun. I was like all
3: excited to watch that one. That's
2: it. So there, to me, it'll it'll come back, but it'll it'll be like one per town. Like we'll have one in this city. That's how I feel like, just for things like that. I mean, there's there's going to be movies that. The experience of going to watch it in IMAX and crazy surround sound is just—it just doesn't live up to. Unless you have that, unless you've got a ten thousand plus dollar setup in your living yeah. room,
3: go to which, Shack's house. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
2: very few people have a setup like that. So I, I still see that there there'll be some people that will want to do that, but not enough to be competitive. Not enough for there to be like, what, what do we have like? Six or seven different theaters here. Like I was
3: just so surprised that these drive-in theaters haven't been just rocking. You know, through this whole thing, it's like I mean, you're in your car. You're obviously social distancing. you you could roll your windows up. What is or, going on with the, the one down the road for us?
2: Yeah, because one? there's one in Capital, Santa Cruz 2, that hasn't open. been running. Is it
1: open? It's, open? it's open. It is open. Yeah, you can go. You can go watch movies like there. new movies. No, all old movies. No, there? they're yeah. doing like double headers of like you know uh, Predator and Alien or you know <laughs> you know movies that that you would want to watch together. Hey, look, it's kind of fun. Yeah. If you take this is what you do: you take your kids, especially if you have a big car. You open the back, lay the seats down, put some blankets, bring some snacks. The kids say it's a it's a it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's especially in the summertime, right? Yeah. Hey, did you guys hear about the gyms in Arizona? No, what uh, happened, uh-uh. dude? They this, so they won a ruling, so they 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 went against the state, uh, went to court, and now they're 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 going to be allowed to reopen in about a week. So. Gyms are going to be allowed to reopen over there. Did you know that Arizona
2: is is ranked as if not the I think it is the the top uh, fittest state in the country. Did you know that? I thought it was Colorado. No, I think it's Arizona, and maybe maybe it's not the fittest. Maybe it's the most gyms per square foot or something. I I know that they have like it's uh, one of the you know most fitness minded states in the country. Mm. I can't remember when I read that article, but I read that years ago and I didn't know. I assumed that we would be. I thought that California mm. uh, would be one of the leaders and that we're not.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really, really happy that the, that they got the opportunity to reopen uh, their gyms in Arizona. And I know people right now are like, eh, it's dangerous. Here's the deal, yeah, fittest. It's, go to go to most most gyms per square foot. It, it's, I mean, it it, it's your choice to go into a facility like that and take risks. and it's the it's the it's the business that's going to decide how they set that up. It should be. yeah, so I'm very happy with this uh, with this ruling. Plus, here's the deal. We do know that uh, you know poor physical health is a major risk factor for Absolutely. severe symptoms of uh, you know this pandemic. And so some people this is how they get there this is how they get all their activity is by going to the gym. So let's see here uh, Doug's bring it up Colorado was what number 9 number 10 number, uh, number a, one. for most gyms Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota! Wow, wow,
3: huh? really? Minnesota,
1: Minnesota! I would never have guessed that they have the most gyms per what
3: per per, s- mo- per square mile. Really? Mm. Where's California? Man, it's a thing to do. Not even know? top ten. Yeah, especially in the winter. Yeah, I know, wonder what it was place- for Arizona.
1: You know what? You know why though? California's got such big expanses of area that are not nobody's around. Yeah. But I remember when we
3: were in Orange County and, and they were talking about like how many gyms per square foot. They, they were just like right next to each other everywhere.
1: Oh, dude. In Southern California, th- there's literally blocks where there's like two or three. Well, I wonder if they count. Ca- I, I know. I wonder yeah. if
2: they count like CrossFit gyms now, too, because that's what's. it's That has to that's inflate. Not a gym. It has to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, uh, everybody. Hey,
1: I, I read a cool article today. Uh, it, the title of it was The Fastest Path to becoming a millionaire. So you guys want to guess what it is? Like the fastest path?
3: Uh, saving your money.
1: All right. So there's so there's four ways that they listed that you could become a millionaire. Well, one real, of them is real estate's fastest. number one. Well, hold on, hold on. I mean, let me give you what they, because they, they labeled them kind of different. Becoming an influencer. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine not. all the, you right. know, all the, think about all the TikTok influencers right now. <laughs> Oh, they're fucked. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) TikTok's about to be banned. Yeah. Oh, Oh, no. Is McDonald's hiring? All right. So here are the four main paths to becoming a multimillionaire. The saver investor path. So this is somebody that makes saving and investing part of their daily routine. Yep. Then there's the company climber's path. These are people that work for a large company, devote all of their time and energy to climb the corporate ladder until they land a senior executive position with a very, very high salary. Then there's the-, there's the virtu- really hard to do. Right. Then there's the virtuoso path, which is the, this is people who are the best at what they do. So they're paid a very, very high premium for their knowledge, uh, knowledge and expertise. So these are people that are like the best of the best in their virtuoso. category. Virtuoso. I love that word. And then there's the dreamer's path. The dreamer's path are all in pursuit of a dream, that is like starting their own business, becoming a successful actor, musician. Or a best-selling author. It says your dreamers love what they do for a living, and their passion shows uh, up in their bank accounts. So, out of those four, which one's the fastest way to becoming a millionaire?
3: I still think it's
1: saver.
2: Mm-hmm. No virtuosos people. I think they 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 are the ones that like you can charge a ridiculous yeah. rate. Okay, but so, it's random that that people find them.
1: So it's actually the dreamers. So the dreamers, really? yes, but it's also the most difficult. So first mm. off, the saver Im- high risk, high reward. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. The, and and it didn't say the the safest way or the most guaranteed way. Right? It said the fastest yeah. okay. way. Okay. Because I feel like the saver investor path is probably the most. It's the most methodical, consistent. If yeah. you
2: like that, you'll love the Millionaire Next Door. Mike turned me onto that book like a couple months back. I finished reading that a while ago, and that was really good. And they actually the whole book, White saw, I think you'll love it. Is it's it's all it's all studies. It's all research. It's all they break down the numbers. Really? Yeah, the thing that I was most fascinated in was and I and I'll, I'll probably mess up the exact percentage but I know it was like really high like this was that like 80% of like multimillionaires don't drive a car that's worth more than 40 grand. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which was like, whoa. So like when you see somebody, when you see, you know, you go down to Santana Road, right? That's an area where we see like all the Lamborghinis and Bentleys and stuff. Now I look at it all differently now and I think to myself like, damn, how? Just statistically, if I just saw 10 of them go by me, at, at least half of those guys aren't even Dude, really bonding. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've
1: rented it.
3: Wow. Uh, you know, I, I thought
2: that, that was really, chicks. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, bro,
1: it's all—it's like insecurities coming out. It's like no yeah. different. Who's the guy at the bar that wants to start all the fights with everybody? It's not the trained MMA fighter well, or the black think, belt in jujitsu. I don't think it's always. So tap out I don't
2: think charity. it's. Yeah. I don't think you can default to it's always an insecurity. I drive expensive cars. I like cars, and you—you've alluded to this before about you know where you get joy, right? Like, and yeah. I love to drive. Where I mean, I always drive us everywhere we go. I've yeah. I like to drive since I was 16 years old, and I love cars. I'm into them, and so I enjoy them. So I don't think it's always a default to like its insecurities of people. Well, no, are but I think
1: a, I, I, you're right. I'm generalizing, but I think a lot of it is. I think it's a lot of these people. Well,
2: that I I agree with. They
1: you. They leverage themselves heavily. They here's how here okay here's how I know okay same place Santana Row. You're sitting now right now. You have to sit outside. You can't sit inside yeah. at all. So I've been there a few times for with for lunch or dinner with uh, Jessica. and We're sitting out there. This is what people do. With the, They drive by with their Ferrari or Lamborghini. But this is the most douchiest, stupidest thing you could ever do. First of all, you're already driving an amazing, yeah. bad... Everyone's going to look at your car well, anyway. They're nerds. They you, need
3: some advantage. You
1: don't <sighs> need to rev your engine. Well, as you're driving, it's so stupid. You're driving by five miles, <laughs> <months. laughs> you know. Oh,
3: oh, oh, God! It's like what we did in high school. Yeah, you know? like it's just that now, all of a sudden, they're they're like, ooh, I'm yeah. cool. It's yeah. like yeah, I'm, you what, know, this is what
1: cool people like did, did in high school. Yeah, you take your shirt off at of the beach, you're like, oh you know, I need to uh, do some push ups and stretch. I think it's quick. more,
2: <laughs> I think it's more Freudian than I think it is anything else. That's it's more of a. <laughs> they want to sleep with their moms. No, oh, it's uh, that's not that's, not everything a, a, is fucking that's Freudian. I don't know. No, Freudian can mean too that these people these this is like men trying to. Attract women, you know. It's a sexual thing. It's more of them. This is their way of of, yeah. of peacocking, yeah, right? You want to attract the, w- the wrong women, I guess. Well, maybe. Oh, wow. I mean, that's. Yeah, but me
1: look at my car. Yeah, you know? There's yeah. there's
2: still a large a large person. I mean, yeah, we've said it before on this podcast. Like, yeah, uh, what do what do you, what do a you think game. is a, a more guarantee that that you you find a a, a wife being this uh, nice guy or being a rich guy? You know, if you're being if and that's one of the ways. A to, good wife, a nice guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just
1: yeah. a wife. Yeah, yeah. you're,
2: you're <laughs> yeah, probably right. Pr- presenting presenting and peacocking so you get attention I yeah mean, so
1: so so back to that article so this guy did a huge study and he found that 28% of the individuals in this study were dreamers here's some cool stuff about them they had an average net worth of 7.4 million here's the crazy part most of them were able to accumulate the wealth over a period of roughly 12 years very short period of time to get to multi-million especially when you compare hmm. it to the other people now it says here what makes their path so hard here's the things about it that are difficult very long work hours. The dreamers in the study worked anywhere from 65 to 75 hours per week Ooh. before they finally achieved their dreams. Now, this makes sense. If you're if it's a dream of yours, you're so passionate and focused, you're just going to work on it yeah, all the time. It's just all-consuming. Yep. Here's the stressful lifestyle aspect of it, too. It says, until the dream begins to pay off, making ends meet can cause almost intolerable financial stress. Totally I know what this is like. You yep. start a business – you grind, and it's funny because people look at a business and be like, "Wow, you guys crushed out of nowhere!" It's like you don't see the previous twenty years where, right, right. yeah, you know, whatever, all the foundational work. Uh, high risk. It says dreamers by nature are gamblers. They're willing to put everything they own on the line in order to get to their dream. Mm. And then here's the last one. It's demotivating because they have such high ambitious goals. Some, you know, some people try talking them into pursuing another path. So imagine if you're dream is to start a fitness podcast that's successful, for example, like like we did, and you're doing it for a, a whole year without getting paid like we did, Imagine, you know, impatient spouse or friend it's like, "Hey man, you're you're not making any money. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you yeah. should just get another job training."
2: Yeah, everybody see what around you. I yeah. wonder how they measured that because I know in the in the Millionaire Next Door book, they t- they attributed to real estate because the, a large portion of people even if you didn't have a a massive high-paying job if you invested yeah. early and you could pay your mortgage you know, and if you've had the house for yeah. twelve years, you and that, and you definitely, if you live in California, dude, the, the Bay thing Area, is worth a million dollars. And,
1: and the, uh, there's a big difference between net, like your worth, and how much you actually make, because there's a lot of millionaires in California mm. that don't make a lot of money because they bought their houses. Like my grandfather, my grandfather came to this country uh, when my mom was four, zero skills. Uh, he, he was, you know, as a child, extremely poor, dirt poor. Worked since he was a kid. Lived in Venezuela for a while to try and make some money. Finally came to California. Was a custodian uh, and uh, at schools and cleaned movie theaters. This is how he supported his family. Bought a house. That's back when San Jose was a farm town. It was before the tech industry came here, I think he bought his house for sixteen thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. My grandfather now is in his eighties and oh, his awesome. health is is worth is worth at one point three or one point four million. So on paper, my grandfather is a millionaire. But the man probably never made more than you know thirty, forty grand a year yeah. in his entire life. Yeah,
3: so
2: I, I, I got a question for you, Sal. So I was—I I got a new show that I'm watching right now uh, called Yellowstone. It's with Kevin Costner.
3: Okay. Uh, I've been trying to watch that, but I can't it's, figure out where to watch it.
2: it so yeah, I had to—I bought it on Prime. So I had to buy. it. Is it, it good? On, okay. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I give it a B minus. Uh, okay. so Yeah, it's got me. It's got—I wouldn't say it's like one of my top shows, but I—I enjoyed it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a cool—a cool show. But the the question that I have for you. So in this show, Kevin Costner is a grandfather who was terrible to his kids, and now he's got this grandchild, and like he's obviously trying to be a, this. And he just and we've talked about this before how you guys see your dads with yeah. your kids, and like what the where was this guy right? Yeah, right, right, <laughs> and Try, trying to make up for lost time. Well, and, and a lot of that just is wisdom. yeah. It, well, they're older, they're wiser. They also have uh, they recognize at that time at that point in their lives maybe the mistakes that they made mm-hmm. with raising you guys. Yeah, they're they better would, people. So. The question I have with you, I know you're not a grandfather, but you have this large gap. I look like one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah you have this large gap with having children and and I'm sure you've already thought a lot about this. Are there things that come to mind that you either wish you would have done different or there's things that you plan to do now with this this the child that you are about to have that you look at your kids now and you feel like man, I 100%. 100%. I,
1: I got this lesson Going through uh, a, a divorce um, and you know when you go through a very challenging, painful time, you either become more of what you were or I think you change and so i I chose to to change to try and become better. One of the things I recognized was I just was not nearly as present um, as I should have. I missed a lot with my kids, most of what I did a lot of I worked I worked a lot, and I was constantly thinking about work and focusing on work and reading and trying to become. You know, to, to expand my my knowledge base and all that stuff. Meanwhile, I missed some of the most important moments with my kids, either because I wasn't there, or more often than not, I was there but I was half there, and my mind was somewhere else. With this time, I'm going to be far more present, and luckily, we've created a, a you know a business that allows that. So the hours aren't like they used to be, but just being present means literally you know, uh, being there, not just thinking about other things or, or waiting to, you know, oh, what I got to do tomorrow, whatever. That's the big one, man. And then patience, like my patience is way, you know, higher. I mean, you, you I now, think. Now, do you, you
2: see it? Do you see it in your children's behavior and your relationship though? Cause I, I see your kids and I think you have an incredible relationship with your kids and, and I don't see like, I mean, you, I know you guys have met you know, older kid, kids that are your age, uh, from other friends or people that you know, and it's to some. It's sometimes obvious. It's like, oh wow, the dad really missed the boat here yeah. with the way the communication or the way you know the way he probably was raising them, and you can see it now as they're turning into teenagers. Um, I don't see that with your kids. So you you say that you weren't very present, but I don't feel like your kids feel like you weren't very present. I
1: think they always felt loved. Um I always I'm very affectionate so I'm not one of those dads that has trouble showing uh, their you know hugging and kissing their kids and expressing how much they love them and of course important things I never missed so like you know school events and stuff like that I always tried to make but I know I know that I was not as present as I could have been mm. you know what I'm saying so I appreciate you saying that it makes me you know it feels good to hear that but uh, I think this time around, I'm going to be even better throughout. The, but again, you know, I, I'm still raising my other kids, so I still have. Now I'm far more present with them. Yeah, but they're you're, they're both them.
2: at an age now where I think you start to see, because uh, you know, five to seven is the most most formative years when that when yeah. they, they they really start creating those pathways behaviors. And by the time they start getting into teenagers, is when they really start to revolt or really push back on maybe. You see how the work uh, plays out. Yeah, right. Or the lack of work playing out. And I I just don't see that in your. I don't feel like you're. I don't see any like behaviors that uh, your kids express that I go like, oh, that's probably because Sal wasn't around very much or wasn't present. So. I, I think you're probably harder on yourself than what you really that than what you really.
1: Yeah, were. maybe, uh, you know, maybe, but I still, I still think like this time around. Plus, here's the big one too. It's like it goes by so fast when they're little. You know, one thing that Facebook does that I, I love and I hate is mm-hmm. you go on the, your feed and it's like seven years ago memories. You know? Yeah, and you see a picture of your kids when right. they were little, and you automatically want to cry. Not, and it's mainly because you missed. That that when they were that young, oh my gosh, I remember that,
3: oh, yeah, it's like a video with their little cute little voice, it's oh,
1: like, ah, it hits you it so, and sometimes yeah. I can't even look at them I, I can't look at it right now. I'm embarrassed myself in public, but i its it happens so fast, like your kid right now, it believe uh, trust me with this it it goes by, even though now you're present, your very present father. I'm sure you're gonna look back and be like, "Oh my
2: gosh, that went by so quick!" Oh, we talked about it. We talked about it last night. You know, we were he was sleep. We just put him down, and we're sitting there. We're getting ready to watch. We're watching that show, and then the the kid that I'm referring to that was a grandkid to Kevin Costner. He's probably five or six years old, somewhere around that range, or seven, somewhere around that range. And uh, I was like, "God, it's gonna be any day." Like we're going to be he- having conversations with him. How weird is it to think, like, right now, getting him to do sounds and point and say, dad as like, such a big deal. I'm like, like real quick here, in a blink of an eye, he's going to have full-on conversations. And I was, we were talking about how weird mm. that's going to f- be and feel yeah. and then be thinking back to these times right now. I definitely feel like, and I'm sure this happens for every parent, that um, it just keeps getting better and better, right? So oh, every dude. every phase or every new chapter of his life, you know whether it presents new challenges. Oh, he's gonna run around. He's gonna be like people always talk about all the the hard stuff. Which yeah. uh, you know, for me, there's a reason why I waited so long because I knew it was fucking hard. I knew that it was a lot of work. I experienced that with my my two younger siblings, so that I I, I feel I'm the most prepared for. I was pre- I'm prepared for the sacrifice. I'm prepared for the hard work. Me, I get to, and that, I think maybe that's what allows me to be more present. Yeah. Is I was ready for all that, and so I can really focus on the moments, the fun stuff and the, the, the things that I'll probably look back five, 10 years from now and go like, man, do you remember when he, the first time he giggled when the horse came and this and that and was like, he was so innocent. Like, I, of I mean,
1: I think older fathers uh, do a good job, but forget the age part. I think you're just more mature. You're wiser, you're, you're, you're settled, you're smart. You're not as, you're not chasing certain uh, things. Hopefully
2: he's more selfless, right?
1: More selfless, yeah. But it's, uh, watch their, watching their personalities develop is really funny. I remember my, my son was three three-and-a-half maybe, and, uh, you know, his pers- personality changes all the time, right, or, or develops, and I remember, like, something fell in the cupboard, and my son stops. He was playing with his trains, and he stops, and he looks up, and he goes, what was that mysterious sound? You know, it was, like, the first... Yeah. At three years old, he said that it was like the first uh, like hint that this kid he's gonna be you know he's gonna be able to express himself verbally you know in, in certain ways. I remember thinking like mysterious. Like, yeah, yeah. Where'd you come? Where'd you, come you that? get that word? To? That's so cool. I know. I yeah.
2: that's what we we haven't hit this yet. Like that's what I can't wait to see. Uh, are, who who does he take after more personality wise? Like I see it in Justin's kids. I see it in your kids. Yeah. You know, right now it's too early for us to see. Like, is he more like Katrina? Is he more like me? Is he the perfect blend? He no, can't both? lose. You guys are both good people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh.
0: This Quaz brought to you by Organify. Both my husband and I suffer from neck pain and find that bicep work, standard curls and others aggravate this. What
2: are some bicep workouts we can do? I love this question because this reminds me of the flack that I got on YouTube uh, in regards to my bicep curl video. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, you do your split stance? Yeah, the splits. Oh, they're giving shit about
2: that. Yeah, the split stance and then teaching people to pull the shoulders back and then just coming up to full flexion and where your dumbbell is about to your, you know, right about your nipple line or so, and not rotating up, which we know that, you know, full, full range of motion on the bicep requires a little bit uh, of that rolling up of the shoulder. The problem is that this is exactly what I came across with clients. Um, Either one, they would uh, allow the shoulder to take over uh, a a lot of the movement, and they'd feel, feel it less in their bicep, or it would even aggravate their shoulder uh, because they're in this kind of forward position and then they're moving and rocking up with the bicep curls and then teaching them in more strict form. Uh, one, help them feel it in the bicep more and then two, eliminate things like this.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, okay, so the big thing for me when I hear questions like this is is a reminder that just because an exercise works a particular body part, it does not mean that the rest of the body is not engaged uh, in some way, right? right? So a bicep curl, single joint exercise, you're bending the elbow, you're just working the biceps. Does this mean your core is not involved? Does this mean that your shoulder girdle doesn't have to be stabilized? Does it mean that your head and neck position aren't important to pay attention to? If you have a tendency towards neck pain, what a lot of people do with with exercises is they either shrug their shoulders a lot with all exercises Mm -hmm. or... They look down or jet their head, down, forward. Bring head
3: forward. They strain, you know, out of their neck muscles just by the, you know, grinding their way through the exercise.
1: Yeah. So I would say keep your shoulders down. Keep your head straight and tall. Elongate. Create some traction in your spine as you're doing your bicep exercise. The other thing I would say is work on your shoulder and upper back uh, mobility. Um, work on those areas because you know, if your neck is preventing you from working your biceps, I mean, it's going to prevent you from doing a lot of things, especially exercises like squats and overhead presses and and deadlifts. So I would definitely work on uh, on mobility. Now, there are also, of course, supplements that can help with pain and inflammation. Um, although I don't consider these things to be first lines of defense or or, or solutions, they can help. Um, and, and the way that they tend to benefit is they reduce inflammation, which then gets you to move better, which then re- helps you reduce future pain. Because when you have some pain already there, sometimes we protect ourselves with certain positions, mm-hmm. which actually contribute to the pain over time. I, I know Organifi has got a great uh, natural anti-inflammatory supplement called Move. Move. Um, in fact, it has astaxanthin in it. Uh, it Justin. has that in there. It does because of its anti-inflammatory I that. Yeah, properties. It's got a holy basil in there and other products as well. So you could take that and help reduce the inflammation, mm. but you got to fix your positioning and your mobility. Otherwise, this problem was going to stick yeah, around. Yeah, this was
3: actually a common one I would get from clients mm-hmm. uh, doing bicep curls, uh, primarily like you had mentioned, the chin kind of tucking down and like... Because they're trying to concentrate so hard on what their arms are doing and looking down at it, but also if it's a, you know, a, a heavy amount of weight where um, they're grinding their teeth and they're really squeezing and straining a bit in their face, uh, you know the neck's not in a favorable position, and then they're adding all this extra tension and stress in that area, they, they ended up getting these tension headaches as a result.
2: If you haven't watched the YouTube video I did on bicep curls, I know it's one of the it's one of the top ten or top five videos that we've done as far as views. It's pretty easy to find on our uh, Mind Pump TV YouTube channel. Watch that if you want to take it to the next level. So this is where I love I would love to pull out my PVC pipe. So I would take th- this person. I would put them in that splits. I would lighten the load, okay. Especially when we're talking about an isolation exercise. Yeah. You know, d- pushing yourself towards the highest dumbbells you can curl uh, or the, easy curl. Yeah. Nobody can, cares. Nobody's yeah, bragging about that. Yeah. <laughs> and not even just nobody cares, but the the you're not going to get that much more benefit by lifting ten more pounds than what you could in a in a bicep. You get better better results with more better form. Right. So you lighten the load. Uh, you know watch that video and then the, even the next level to that is especially i think this person said they're working out with their husband right so there's two of them working out together mm-hmm. you take uh, the pvc pipe and you you put it behind uh, your partner's back and you want the the back of their nodule of their head touching it you want their their upper shoulder blades touching it and then their low back by their hips touching those are the three points that you do not want to lose contact at all and then perform the movement like I teach it in the YouTube video, that should eliminate a lot of the stress that you're feeling in the neck. Uh, and in the shoulders, and again, just focus on form. So remember, we've talked in in uh, the previous episodes about progressive overload. You can do that by slowing the tempo down. So lighter weight, slow the tempo down, control the exercise, focus more on the bicep, make sure you're keeping that spine nice and neutral. That's what the PVC pipe is for. Um, that's why I like the split stance.
1: You can also do that with a wall or a squat rack. Um, I do that sometimes with a squat rack, where I place instead of using a PVC pipe, I'll use uh, one of the you know the one of the bars from the the squat rack, um, and I'll put that in the middle of my back, or I'll put my back up against the wall. Put your back up against the wall. Keep your shoulder blades, hips, tuck the chin, and tuck the chin, and and put that the, the small nodule at the base of your skull against the wall. Keep them all in contact. And if you really want to make it straight, keep your elbows in contact with the wall and then do curls I would
2: recommend that because part of sometimes with the shoulder aggravation is that last bit of flexion that happens in the shoulders engage, and and that might be aggravating it.
0: Next question is from Rari Walnuts. I just turned 50 this year, and I'm an experienced lifter of 25 years. I have been working out basically the same way as I did when I was 25. Should I be scaling back the reps and volume for heavier weight and lower volume or should I be adding more reps and volume?
1: Oh, this see I, I I like questions like this because I think sometimes we we read what we're supposed to do. Yeah. based off of our age or our sex or whatever and we think, "Oh, we start to question like am I should I do this because I read this article that says you shouldn't really be lifting heavy, yeah, right? What, yeah, once you're over 40 that you need to do this or whatever. Okay. Nothing is above your listening to your individual body. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can't answer this question because I'm not in your body. I also don't train you in person. Should you scale back? Well, if you're finding that you're getting more aches and pains in your joints, if you're finding that you're having more trouble recovering, then yeah, you might need to scale back a little bit. There may be some other stuff you can look at as well. Should you increase the volume? Well, I mean, is it easy? Can you increase the volume and still feel recovered? And improve in which case then increasing the volume is okay it all depends on
2: your individual body it also depends on what you're currently doing so if you know he says I'm lifting what is the same as twenty five right so is does that mean you're'm I'm, I'm guessing because you there's an option here to either add volume or also or add reps or also uh, add weight I'm assuming you probably fall in the muscle building category of the sticking around eight to twelve. Rep range, and in that case, either direction is going to be very beneficial to you because it's going to be novel going down. And and, and remember this too that you know, uh, heavy at 50 may be different than what heavy at 25 is so. You know, maybe you know when you were 25, you were deadlifting 400 pounds. Uh, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to go that heavy just because you've done it before. Heavy now, maybe 315 pounds, and and that's what be, might be challenging for five reps. But the value of you know working down in the three to rep, three to five rep range, if you never do that or you haven't done that in years or even haven't done that in six or eight weeks, that's extremely valuable. Same thing goes for the other direction. If you've been hovering around that eight to 12 rep range and you haven't moved up to 15 to 20 reps for a, a phase or a cycle uh, that has tremendous value so yeah not only knowing what this person is feeling and and uh, where, where they're what, where they're at and what's going on with their body but also what's going on with their programming it's uh, not enough information for me to know. Uh, what they were doing for the last 25 years. Whatever you've been doing, uh, moving away from that is one of the best things that you could possibly do right now if all things are healthy and yeah. fine.
1: I'll tell you what, though. If you've been training with traditional resistance training um, in the gym and you've been doing it that way for yeah, 25, 25, years, 25 years, I'll tell you what, uh, MAPS performance will blow you away. Mm-hmm. It'll completely blow you away because of its emphasis on mobility and because of a lot of the movements are non-traditional, in that program. So if if you've been doing traditional like, you know, bench presses and and squats and rows and overhead presses, just kind of the traditional bodybuilding exercises, which are great, there's nothing necessarily wrong with them. Mm-hmm. If you go to a program like maps performance after after, you know, decades of training a particular way, it will literally blow your mind. I yeah,
3: I've actually have been going through this with my dad who, who has been doing the same routine for, yeah, about 25, 30 years, you know, si- similar situation, uh, but is at a point now where is getting this sort of repetitive stress uh, where it's starting to affect the joints, the knees, the uh, his hips. Uh, and so for me to now uh, get him moving laterally and twisting is, is really crucial to, uh, you know, Fulfill and basically alleviate a lot of the, the the pain of him coming back in and doing these uh, these workouts he was doing and really changing it up is is going to be transformative for him.
2: Well, and the beauty of uh, the programming, like when you if you take or you go through Maps Performance, is that we take you through all those phases. So, I mean, you're going to go through a, a strength phase, you'll go through a hypertrophy type of phase, an endurance type. There's phase. an
1: explosive phase. It's the only program yeah. with an explosive phase, right?
2: So it, you, it'll it, you know if you have all the it laid out for you, so you go through all that and then you just you modify the weights to where you're at currently right now, but you're, Sal's right. The, the different types of movements that are in performance, even if you're somebody who's been training for you know, traditional weight training, it's foreign enough and novel enough that you're going to see some great results yeah. just from doing that. You
1: know what is interesting about this, uh, people like this though, is that your ability to handle work and workouts it does it, it doesn't decline uh, until you're a little older than 50 much older. I mean if you've ever met a 50 year old construction worker or a 50 year old farmer, uh, they will blow your mind at yeah. how much their bodies can handle because they've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. they're ju- the work capacity is incredible. I've, I've wor- I you know I used to help my dad in construction uh, all the time and you'd see these these guys, these men in their 50s who'd been doing it since they were teenagers. And you know, here I am. a, a I'm a teenage kid yeah. myself. Uh, I'm pretty fit, and I'd go, and they'd blow me away yeah. by how much they could they're work just and do way more efficient. Yeah, right? they'd whistle while they're doing it and mm. uh, having a good time, and meanwhile, I'm like sweating my ass off and I can barely breathe. And so, you'd be surprised at how long it takes before age starts to, especially if you've been doing it for 25 years, before age starts to force you to have to reduce things.
0: Next question is from Jamil A 144. If you had to remove the big three exercises, what could you replace them with that would be comparable? Oh. Are we, what are we going to say? The big three are a squat, squat dead overhead, overhead press. No, press well they, bench probably for what them. they,
1: yeah, they usually big three is usually bench press, yeah. squat, and uh, deadlift is usually what they say. Maybe we should do four, throw mm-hmm. in some overhead press if yeah, you want, because that's I, when I, I feel like that's a staple. Yeah, so do I. All right, this, this is easy for me. So uh, back squat. Um, if I had to never do a back squat again. Um, the exercise I would do as much as a back squat would be a front squat, in my opinion. Oh, uh,
2: I would go Bulgarian.
1: Well, I, I see, the thing is, I that's still on the table, but the exercise to replace back squats for me would be front squat. I just mm. feel like it's close enough to providing the benefits of a back squat, um, although a Bulgarian... Is, is pretty damn good. It's yeah, I'm trying to think too. of something, because
2: w- w- first of all, th- why would you remove the big three? The only reason why you would remove the big three is maybe you don't have the barbell, right? And so yeah. how can I... I think it's just a hypothetical question. You know, just for yeah. shits and giggles, yeah. because, I mean, if it's that's... the philosophical. A, yeah, if that's <laughs> the case, then I can get on board a little bit with the front squat. although I still, I, I... What what I experienced, you know, and this was late later in my career of... of really focusing on the Bulgarian split squat, the, the benefits that I got from that uh, were tremendous. And I saw uh, a lot of carryover into my squat, my leg size, uh, my stability, my hip mobility from yeah. it, my ankle mobility from it. Yeah. Uh, I just – I prefer that. We're we're already so anteriorly driven, so doing something like a front squat. Yeah, over, but, you
1: know, when I compare, in- though, you're looking at the, the the activation of the back, the low back – the ankle mobility, and then the, the, you know, from watching Olympic lifters who are the best front squatters in the world, mm. these guys are front squatting tremendous amounts of weight, and that's what a back squat's great at. A back squat is amazing because you can load the hell out of it. Yeah, so it makes it one of the best exercises. I think the front squat is closer to that. Like, you could load the hell. You can get really, really good at front squats. Well, where you do you can, stand on this, Justin?
3: Yeah. Well, I've actually seen athletes, like, really load heavy Bulgarian squats. Fuck, yeah, you can. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting uh, to to speculate about because it, if that is, like, you, you prize that as much as a, a back-loaded squat, uh, I've seen athletes actually really take off uh, in their strength gains and their stability simultaneously. So... I think that, like, uh, from an athletic perspective, from an athletic perspective yeah. and it, functional perspective, I yeah, sure, still, yeah. yeah, right. So, but I, I mean, I love the front squat too. It's just I think that I would probably lean more in the Bulgarian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next exercise would be the uh, deadlift. That's easy for me, uh, and I don't know if this is cheating, but I do a trap bar deadlift. Is is that too close? I know, right? Can I pick that?
2: Yeah, I feel like that's too close. <laughs> is it too close? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I uh, see. I think it's different enough. How about a hip thrust? For a deadlift? Ooh. Oh no, no, uh,
2: no nah,
1: no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Or, or
2: or a barbell row. I mean, you got to do something. You got to we got to do something for so the. Got to pick something up heavy. Yeah, well, you got to do something for the back, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to do a big mover for the back. If yeah, you're but deadlifts rid-
1: are like hips. It's you know, it's, it's well, yeah, that's so why many- it's irrepla-
2: It's irreplaceable. If I had to re- get rid of it, the barbell row. Just doing the barbell row, you get some of the glute hip hamstring stabilization to hold that position so mm-hmm. it's not being eliminated so yeah. there's there's value in doing 135 Bent over row, your hips are involved. Your glutes are involved. They're not moving and they're not flexing. But they're at least in a they're in a a, a isometric hold in that position. I'm just trying. You're rowing big weight on your back. I'm just trying to Hmm. think
1: of right now the strength that you get from a deadlift. You know, I think obviously trap bar deadlift. You guys say that's cheating. I I can kind of see that because it's so similar. Uh, Farmer heavy farmer walks would be up there for me because Mm. of the kind of strength that it provides. It's kind of similar to a deadlift. Uh, you're right. Yeah, because
3: it's a, an all-encompassing kind of a, a strength that you're you're getting from the deadlift. Like, so I think that the farmer walk actually does sort of a, a accomplish a similar. Uh, you know, type of uh, you know, body response because you're stabilizing everything at once yeah. with your heavy weight, especially if you're like really
2: loading it heavy. I mm-hmm. think that that's well, valuable. that's my case for the bent over barbell row. The bent over barbell row is going to get the hamstring and glute involved in the stabilization. The lower back is extremely is is in there, It's just like a. A far, a farmer carry, the stabilization that you're getting with heavy loaded. you do that with a heavy barbell, you're getting all mm. that in the hips and the hamstrings and then low back. Yeah. And then in addition to that, you're rowing and getting the lats and rhomboids involved. The barbell row yeah. would have to be the exercise. Well, I but would...
1: here's the thing though. Does it, it doesn't mean you can't do other back exercises? You know what I'm saying? Like we're replacing the deadlift, but does that mean, okay, so let's say we, we pick the farmer's walk. That means you can still do pull ups, you could still do dumbbell right. rows, you could still do it's just you never do deadlifts again. Yeah. That's yeah. the question. And if I never did deadlifts again, but I still had access to all these other exercises, the one that I would replace it with and if I can't pick a trap bar, I'm thinking again, farmer walk. I just mm. just the kind of strength that I get. From the deadlift, you know? Uh, that's a tough one, though. I think that's it, the hardest that one to replace. Is a hard one. Bench press. Uh, is it cheating if I say incline? <laughs> yeah. Incline press? Or yeah. dumbbells. Yeah. I mean, is that cheating? Because I feel like those are great Well, you kind of
3: got to remove the barbell, I would think. You know? Okay. Yeah, so if we we do, like, dumbbell,
2: bench, incline, Yeah, I'll take, d- I'll take dumbbell, incline, bench all day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or, or even a dumbbell flat. You know what's funny? You take out the barbell bench press, you're not missing much. That's, I, I know. Mean, I hate it's... to say it, but if you just never did it and all you did were, you know, dumbbells and incline and dips. You'll be fine. Yeah, you're going to be okay. You would miss... Barbell squats, and you would definitely miss uh, deadlifts. Yeah. Now, overhead barbell press. I mean, again, what are we going to say? You know, dumbbell press overhead? (laughs) It's kind of the same exercise. Well, yeah, you
2: have, because there's nothing that, or at least I'm drawing a blank right now of like getting you in full overhead extension. You can't, you can't eliminate that movement. That's such an important movement that you have. And if you're saying that you can't, you
1: never do it. You're
2: screwed. Yeah, you have to do it. And a front delt raise and a lateral, none Mm. of those come close to that. Like a
3: handstand push up is not going to cut it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Although right. although well, but does, actually um, although that's a good actually that would be good. I know,
3: but like you're just dealing with body weight is is the only thing. It's it's definitely very, very challenging and it and it sort of ter- obviously turns it up on its head, right? But uh yeah, it's a very similar move. I like
2: that. I honestly that's the, cause I was drawing a blank on because I'm looking for something that you're getting your full extent you're fully extended over your head. That's the that is the most important yeah. part yeah. for everybody why that movement belongs in yeah. every routine is because we lose that just very of of all the things too that's up there with the the things that I think we lose the fastest. That's, I mean, I, that's what yeah. I used to
1: see in my older clients. Yeah, it was one of the number one, aside from not being able to squat, not be able to you know, do their posture, they couldn't reach straight not, up above Not their head. even
2: older. Yeah. I, I found this in myself. That was one of the limiting factors why I didn't do overhead press. I mean, I was in my 20s, and I already had to arch my low back to get full extension. I mean, we are just so all rounded, right? Mm-hmm. We're all yeah. so forward. We're always reaching in front. Yeah, and if you're not training that, it's really, really tough for you to try and get that back, you know, and it takes a lot of work to get back to that place, so yeah, the, Justin, I actually think the, the old yeah, standing... That actually does make sense. I like can't think of that. anything else yeah. that would it would incorporate... Is the
1: kettlebell a, overhead press count or is that still well, true? Yeah,
2: yeah, and see, my
3: brain would, would go more for the spiral line type of a press with a kettlebell just because it's a different uh, load, but it's more favorable, uh, functional. I or, like
1: the kettlebell overhead press more than dumbbell overhead press. I and do, I, and I if you too. asked me five years ago, I would have never said that, but or now that I've your, done them enough...
2: your overhead carries. Yeah. Overhead carries. Overhead carries with the with kettlebells yep, would be sure. Phenomenal. I do
1: those a lot with my son you know that because that full extension is such a difficult thing so we just practice walking with a single dumbbell or two dumbbells overhead great exercise and it keeps that that
3: that full extension now we're re-emphasizing like the the importance of that so your body is going to be
2: able to keep that after riding strong and training strong too i became a huge fan of circus presses that was that was not like a ever a a common movement for me I love that I was doing them just the other day again like that that exercise yeah. cuz you get you get to use a little bit of body english to get the weight up there so yep. I can go yeah, over a high low and when I think about it like it, it, you would kind of get like to get a, a really heavy weight up over your head you kind of yeah, would do have it to throw it up you would and you yeah. would kind of you know use whatever leverage you could to push over your head like you wouldn't have this strict perfect that's a form. fun exercise it yeah. is a it's a fun exercise it's a good exercise i feel a lot of core stability in there a lot of shoulder stability in there I, that's a that's a up
0: there with one of my favorites next question is from coach carruthers what were some of the resources you read or studied that had an impact on your current programs?
1: Oh my gosh. You know, so here's the thing. Okay. We, uh, MAPS Anabolic, I created, uh, what was it, back in what, 2013? 13. Okay. And then, you know, MAPS Performance and a- Aesthetic and Split and Strong, all the other programs we all created together. What went into writing those programs? Decades of experience between yeah. all of us. So you're looking at, you know, 60 years of experience, if we don't even count Doug you can throw in another 20 years on top of it. With, even all, though,
2: the, with all the studies with, and all the certifications. With studies, right.
1: certifications, with reading, with training, so many different clients and training ourselves, that's what went into the programs. So if I listed all the stuff that I read... That oh, yeah. al-
2: but not only that, like I, I know where this person is going like with this. Like, oh, you know, you guys, you the way you have your frequency or the choices of exercises, like what studies led to that? And it, it wasn't a study... That led to any one of those single decisions. It's just a culmination. It's concepts. Yes, I
3: think it's all these concepts that we were exposed to. We tried with our clients. We saw successes by doing certain uh, methods that we would learned and gone through certification courses and things. And we're like, I really like this for this specific reason. And so I would take certain uh, types of of you know mobility moves and, and be like, this is going to be a great assessment. Th- and so I would you know look at things like that as I was going through these Th- courses.
1: This, so so yesterday I get a DM from someone. So I. I guess uh, Mike Matthews, good friend of ours, right, um, owns the supplement company, company Legion, also writes some good fitness books, knows his stuff. Mike Matthews is one of the better, I'd say, fitness authorities uh, that, that there are today. Uh, but Mike Matthews interviewed, uh, what's his name, Menno Hellman. I don't know how to say his name. Anyway, big guy, body bowler guy? No, he's, he, this guy does lots of studies and training people uh, for a long time. Uh, uh. He was on his podcast, and the debate was full body workouts versus body part splits. Now, mm. we know Mike Matthews is a big fan of body part splits. Menno is full body. And if you ask a lot of coaches and trainers who've trained a lot of people over a long period of time, they say full body. So I get this DM and he's like, you know, I love Mike and I love you and you guys are so smart. And, but, uh, but you know, Mike, he leans more towards splits. And why does he do that when you guys are always talking about full body? And I said, look, I said, Hmm. Mike is extremely knowledgeable, very smart. The guy reads everything and he knows how to disseminate it and break down the studies and pick what is actually working, what's not working. Now, we've done that as well, but we also combine that with lots of experience training lots and lots and lots of people – and that's why we get the. A that's behavior, why we have our opinion. There's a
2: behavioral component in all of our decisions. Like the, when I think about the just core-
1: At the end of the day, it's what works. When, right? I,
2: when I think of the core principles of the programming that we've done, like uh, obviously all the research around periodization. So if you read all the research around periodization, you'll get the understanding of why we phase the workouts. If you read all the research on the the exercises that are the most valuable, the biggest bang for your buck to show the most results, everything from CNS to building muscle to burning fat to burning calories, you'll see why we, we picked yeah. all the exercises- so Core of all of our and, programs, and then after that, then we have taken an account. Oh, then frequency would be another one, right? All the all the studies that are around frequency oh, and the tempo.
3: Yeah, you know, resi- you know, so volume, those,
2: those to me are like the the really good as far as like the research, right? Is there? Then after that, then we all sit here and we go back and forth on what we've seen. You know, and we and we take into account like the, so. Something some study might say, oh, this is the best for this, but then we go, well, wait a second. How many of the clients did you ever train yeah. stuck to that for longer than two yeah. weeks? Yeah, or, that never works, right? Exactly. And how
3: do those flow together in the workout? Because you know, everything written on paper is completely different I'll, than actually applying it in person, watching somebody go through it.
1: Yeah, I'll make a silly example. Let's say a study comes out tomorrow and it says, you know, cardio at four a.m. Fasted for 45 minutes, burned 15% more fat than cardio at any, times, any other times of the day. And then you'd get the research uh, you know, junkies would come out and be like, this is how you should do cardio. This is what I prescribe. 45 minutes at 4 a.m. Because here's what the study said. Me as a trainer is going to say, "Don't do that." I've never had any client that's ever done forty-five minutes of cardio at four a.m. every single day forever. Just doesn't work. <laughs> right? So. They're not going to do it forever. Yeah, so it's not worth right. the fifteen percent because you're going to get zero percent. Right? Because you're never going to do it. That's a that's a silly example. Uh, well, another, but I made it very clear. Another
2: good example is what you're talking about with the body part split versus the uh, full body argument. We just made, we we talk about it at nauseum on this podcast. And it's because the reality of it is nobody ever trains like a perfect study does where you don't miss anything. You go perfect. You you measure the volume. Everything's all. No, everybody, very few people are doing that. Most people are going how they feel. Most people have shit that happens. They get sick. They miss a day. And so you have to factor all that in. And, and consistency with whatever they're going to do is really important. So if you have somebody who's on a body part split and they're like 80% of the population who goes consistent for a couple weeks or maybe in a couple months and then falls off the wagon and then comes back – what you end up finding out is, like, over the course of months and years, somebody who follows a full-body routine ends up hitting the muscle groups more frequently, which ends up giving them more results over in the big picture, not just in a six-week study. Yeah,
1: and it's also this other factor that nobody ever considers, which is just the practice—the practice of the right. same exercises over, over and over, getting good at them. That's the way it makes them so effective. Full-body workouts do that. So. I'm going to list certain books that have been more influ- influential than others. Now as a kid, I read all the magazines. When I say all, I literally, I mean I had my first job at well, I was working with my dad at the age of 13 and then I got, you know, jobs at restaurants after that washing dishes and I I literally subscribed to Iron Man, Muscle and Fitness, Flex Magazine, Muscle Mag, Muscle Media 2000. And I think that's it. I had five uh, Muscle Magazine uh, subscriptions. So I read all of them all the time. Those had a lot of influence. And although they were big pamphlets to sell supplements, essentially, there was some articles in there that were pretty smart. And so I, I, I did learn some stuff. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Very, very impactful because it literally listed all of the, definitely all of the free weight exercises for every body part. So I learned... All the exercises that you could do with free weights at a very young age from that book because I was able to study it. Uh, Mike Mentzer's Heavy Duty was another book uh, that had a huge impact, mainly because he positioned an argument which was, hey, if you do way less volume, do more intensity, you'll get the same results. Now, it's not, what he said wasn't 100% correct, but it did get me to question certain things and look at the way that I, I would design my workouts um uh dinosaur training uh, was another book that i i learned a lot from um and then old publications mm-hmm. i'm talking about turn of the century like first the strong man uh, of of you know the of the early 1900s you know watching how they Eugene worked out
3: Sandow and you know, like your charles atlases and all those yeah Abs-
1: I, I was totally uh, uh
3: you know researching all that stuff too like i loved old strength uh, journals and, and ways that like people did it back in the day, uh, before, you know, we had this, this surge of like, uh, anabolic steroids and, and different ways of, uh, you know, organizing the gym with, with machines. It's like, what did we used to do? And so I got into that, I got into Dr. Ed Thomas's work. He was really like movement focused, uh, Greg Cook, you know, Eric Cressy, uh, you know, like uh, lots of the sports uh, specific type uh, uh, trainers out there that put out really good information. So, uh, you, one of another one was super training by Mel Siff, yeah, which is uh, where they we finally got information about everything. You know, from uh, you know, Russian studies, yeah, and you know, it's just stuff like that. If you if you look. Look towards your your interest. and so obviously, I had an interest in movement, and specifically,
2: and uh, y- you know, athletic pursuits. Well, another area that we none of us mentioned right now that is taken into consideration all the programs is like uh, mobility and movement. So, like books like Supple Leopard, or mm. st- certifications like Ken Stretch, or Aldoa, yes. or FRC, oh, like yeah. things like that are also taken into consideration when we're, when we're programming because it's not just about. The X's and O's on everything. It's also about just learning to teach people to move better, and then, and all the deficiencies and dysfunction that we saw for all those years. So things like that are taken into consideration when we choose certain exercise or exercise order because we know the habits and behaviors of people. Yeah, so and, and
1: here's what what else is really cool is that you know, and I loved it when I met um, uh, Adam and Justin because I had met two other fanatics about fitness uh, that were similar to my level of fanaticism. They they would look at some different things, but they studied it with the same level of passion. And so what you get is you get, you know, sometimes people get stuck at just listening to advice from one type of strength athlete, like bodybuilder or powerlifter or, you know, yoga expert. You know, one thing that I did is, and I did this later on and I, it was so impactful, was I studied how powerlifters trained. And then I studied how Olympic lifters trained. Mm-hmm. And then I'd read about kettlebell-type you know, type training. And then I'd read about martial arts and, and calisthenics-type training. And all of this, you get all these nuggets of wisdom from these old forms of training. Powerlifting's been around for a long time. So is bodybuilding, so is Olympic lifting, kettlebell training even longer. You're going to get like aspects and, and, and things that you can learn from each of them apply to your training. So what you see in our programs is a culmination of, it's like our programs, and although all of them are designed for specific avatars, like for example, Maps Performance, Build Muscle, but Move Well, we we like to use the ancient athlete as the as the avatar, but what you really have are the mixed martial arts of muscle building programs. We picked the best from each category and injected what works so well in each category, and so what you'd end up with is a very well-balanced body that builds muscle, avoids plateaus, and
2: and it feels phenomenal. I also feel like we broke down a lot of barriers that we saw. I remember this was a lot of the motivation on the podcast. Is you know, to your point, Sal, about how we tend to gravitate towards you know one professional or one expert in a field, and then we 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 marry that ideology, mm-hmm. and it and then and then what the fitness space does. Is they they separate everybody and it's my way is better than your way because that's all verses. Yeah, because that's that's what sells better. Right. That's I'm I'm trying to sell my ideas that my way of training or my modality is better than your modality. And just the three of us didn't subscribe to that belief. Like because we had so much experience in all different aspects, we studied all different ways of training we saw the value of all of it and it wasn't like oh this guy's more right than that guy it's like no they're they're all right in their own in their own right and there's something to take from all of those and really when you look at the the the, the entire collection of all the maps programs they are there's there's pieces of all of that in every one of those programs because none of us Subscribe to one ideology, dude. It's like
1: you know, uh, like like uh, you know, Bruce Lee was quite a bit of a philosopher when it came to martial arts, and he was one of the first martial artists to say, "Here's what kung fu does, and that's really well." And oh, look at the way that boxers dance and their footwork, and look how they use the jab, and look how wrestlers change levels and are able to control a fight on the ground. Look at submissions and leverage and all that stuff. And I mean, all of those things make you a really good uh, fighter, right? So. Mm -hmm. That's really the big thing uh, that you want to you want to take out of this. Even if your goal is just to build a lot of muscle, man, you don't think powerlifters build muscle, or Olympic lifters build muscle, or kettlebell athletes build muscle? You don't think mobility helps you build muscle? Like all those things contribute to better performance and better results. And so, you know, uh, it's studying all of those things, I think that's gone into each and every MAPS program. Look, uh, mind pump is recorded on video as well as audio. Come tune in on YouTube, Mind Pump Podcast. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Doug, the producer, at Mind Pump Doug. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.